You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. <laughs> Everybody's got a price, it's the million dollar man. <laughs> Podcast in demand. Understand. Everybody's got a price, million dollar man. Everybody's got a price, million dollar man. Everybody's got a pod, it's the million dollar What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo. We are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And, of course, we are joined here in the new year by none other than the million-dollar man himself, Ted DiBiase. Ted, what's going on? Marcus, happy new year. <laughs> happy new and year. And remember, it's all about the money, honey. <laughs> I, have you, I hope you have a very prosperous new year, all of you out there. Absolutely. In, uh, wrestling land. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Had a great Christmas, uh, you know, uh, surrounded by my grandchildren. Uh, yes, that's right. The main dollar man is a grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's great. I wouldn't have it any other way. It's got to be fun having those grandkids running around on Christmas morning. Well, yeah, well, it is most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, I was like, uh, okay. Uh, the two youngest grand, uh, one of one of the the two youngest, they're both about four, and uh, Ava is Teddy's little girl. It's the first girl in the family. I was one of three boys. I then had three sons, and then Teddy had a son. Brett had a son, and then Brett had another son, and finally. Teddy's wife had a little girl. I mean, they were pretty close together. So they're, they're, they're about four. Ava is our first girl. So, man, I don't know. We that keep that poor girl is outnumbered. Yeah, but it was, <laughs> it was good. It was all good. Man, that's awesome. What a blessing to have so much family around you on Christmas. I'm sure it can get crazy. I've got a three-year-old running around here, and she can create chaos. So I can't imagine if you've got however many grandchildren <laughs> oh, running around. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm not telling you anything. You know. <laughs> you got a you know, it's one thing when it's, when it's your child, but it's another thing when it's your grandchild. It's kind of like, you know, uh, and for the most part, it's true, except right now, you know, two of my grandchildren are actually living living here with Melanie and I. You know, I mean, Teddy's still uh, looking for a new house and all this other stuff. So, so I actually have two of my grandchildren that live here. You know, uh, and that's you know, that's pretty cool. But you know, it's like like everything else. It's like sometimes you want to pull your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> Man, just trying to put my daughter to bed is like an Olympic event every night. <laughs> it is brutal. So, yeah, hopefully you don't have to deal with any of those duties. You can just be fun, Grandpa. Nah, I just give him a $10 bill. <laughs> That's the way. All right, there's a life pack. Hey, go to bed. I'll give you a little money. <laughs> Starting right. them off right, right? I'm going to do that with my daughter now. Actually, I just give him a quarter. <laughs> even better good I mean, I mean, hey hey you know what they got to start somewhere right <laughs> that's it gotta learn the value of that dollar and uh folks we're bringing you some value here this week for the first episode of 2024 uh we are taking another look back 
to Ted's time in WCW. And this week, it's January 1997, and you guys know what that means. It's the infamously bad sold-out pay-per-view in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Uh, man, I can't wait to talk to you about this one, Ted. We've got some great clips. Before we do get into them, though, I have to ask our listeners to do us a big favor before the time is up. As a reminder, our podcast has been named a finalist for the 2024 Best Wrestling Podcast by the Sports Podcast Awards, and we need your help to get us across the finish line. So if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed our show, please go to my social media or Ted's and click the link to cast your vote for us. It only takes a couple minutes, and it would be such a huge honor to win the whole thing. Uh, you can find my link on my ex account at Marcus P. D'Angelo or on Ted's social media at MDM Ted DiBiase on all platforms. And by the way, speaking of supporting our show, please do us a favor and get subscribed at youtube.com slash at everybody's got a pod. We just completed two giveaways with the autograph figures, and there will be more in the near future. So to be eligible, all you've got to do is get subscribed. That's it. Also, without the giveaways, you're going to love what we're doing on our YouTube page. We have stories that you will not hear on the podcast over there. We drop them every week as a uh, YouTube exclusive clip on Mondays. We also have a short bite-sized videos from the podcast, which is a perfect way for you to introduce your friends to our show. Uh, again, it's YouTube.com slash at Everybody's Got a Pod. Go subscribe right now. <laughs> so, Ted, before we start the show, I did want to—I uh, didn't want this episode to pass by without first asking about some sad news. The legendary Killer Khan passed away in Tokyo recently, and he's a man that certainly left his mark on wrestling, both uh, in America and abroad. I was wondering if you have any memories of working with him or or being around him in general. Well, I know I worked with him. I worked with him uh, several times here. And I think, you know, uh, probably more in Japan, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, 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 the, and the, probably a, a lot the, during the time that me and Stan Hansen were teamed up. I wish that, you know, I think I've, I've spoken about that before. Uh, had a really good deal. Bruiser Brody and Stan Hansen were two of the, or the I went not were two of, they were the two most recognizable, famous foreign wrestlers in all of Japan. And Brody jumped ship and he left all Japan pro wrestling and went to new Japan. And that's, that's, you know, that's, that's, that doesn't happen very often. Loyalty is a big thing in Japan. And so, uh, Stan needed a new partner and came to me. And he says, do you want, do you want the spot? And I said, are you kidding? Do I want the spot? You know, it's like, is, is a pig's butt pork, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll take it. And it was great. And, uh, but back to killer con, um, you know, uh, I probably worked with him more in Japan than I did in the United States. And, uh, Great guy, though. I mean, that's one thing. The thing I remember the most about him, that he was a very likable guy, you know, uh, very jovial. So, Man, hard to get a bigger compliment than that. You know, his his wrestling legacy speaks for itself. But really, you know, I I think that the legacy that he's going to leave behind is the kind of man that he was. And it sounds like he was a great one. Yeah, he was a good guy. Well, uh, a shame to have another loss in the wrestling world. So rest in peace to Killer Khan. 
Uh, all right, we can get into these notes about 1997, Ted. When we last left off, the Giant officially had turned his back on the NWO after failing to help Hogan win Starcade 1996, and now he's on the road to a title shot against Hollywood. Now that we're into 1997, it's going to be the most pivotal year in the career of Diamond Dallas Page, which is another huge thing that we're going to be talking about this week. Uh, Page is about to embark on a career-defining rivalry with, with Randy Savage, but before he does, he's going to tease joining the NWO and uh, actually shake Scott Hall's hand, put on the shirt, but then hit Hall with the diamond cutter and escape through the crowd, and the audience is going to have a massive, massive reaction to Page. So, I mean, he is arriving here right in January at the beginning of 97. Um, I mean, it's awesome stuff. He's just taken off like a rocket. Uh, what did you think it was about Dallas that made him connect so well with the WC audience? Well, I mean, it's like the one thing, uh, you know, when I first met him, he was a bartender at this bar and uh, um, great guy, great guy. And, and you know, um, Melanie and I, you know, we went, you know, uh, just, I mean, it's been a year or so now, but we went and we went to his home in, in the Atlanta area and uh, we stayed with him for a week and we started DDPY yoga. What do you think of it? It's great. It's great. And I need, you know, and now my a new New Year's resolution is to get back on it. All right. <laughs> uh, because I got a little lazy. I mean, 17 days, I'm 70 years old. What do you want? The other thing about Dallas is, I mean, obviously he loved wrestling. I mean, you know, because you know, he was so good to us when, when we were there, when he was bartending and all that. But, you know, um, and I, you know, when I first heard that he had gotten and become a wrestler, I was like, really? I couldn't believe it. Uh, but then to watch how he progressed, I mean, you know, uh, you know, you can't, like, again, I've said this so many times, you cannot teach anybody charisma. That's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when I was a, a baby face, I, you know, I, I had a more serious attitude, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know, nice guy, da, 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 you know, but as a heel, as a heel, I could just go, you know, <laughs> And be the wild man, and, and 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 that's charisma. They always say it's like you turned up to eleven, right? And that's that's what you became whenever you became the million dollar man in this yeah. over the top, outrageous heel. Yeah. And you know, it's funny because uh, you know Dallas has mentioned before that when he was coming into the business, he just wanted to be Dusty Rhodes, and so like you could tell that he kind of borrowed a lot of Dusty's rap. And it's just interesting because you kind of see like the it's you know like there's the coaching tree in wrestling. There's also like the the sort of like promo tree of like guys who were inspired oh, by guys. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Billy Graham was inspired by Muhammad Ali, uh, and then he inspired Dusty Rhodes, who then inspired guys Dusty like Rhodes. They funky like a monkey. He flip, flap, and fly. We all, All these guys are borrowing from each other, but then making it their own. And it's like you know, DDP yeah. just had it right. Yeah, and 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 again, you know, I mean, and guy, you know, and I was like, I think guys, and 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 Dusty. Dusty now has had two sons who have done remarkably well. And why? Because it wasn't just because their dad was one of the biggest stars in wrestling. It's because, you know, it's their legacy. And, and it's like, you got to want something really bad. And, and they, so it's kind of like my dad, 
of course, my dad was never around to see me wrestle professionally. But, you know, my drive and everything was was that. And, and I, I never knew my dad as anything but a heel, mm-hmm. you know. And so when I turned heel, I turned it on. I did a lot of his stuff. So. Man, but then again, much like DDP did with with Dusty, you made it your own. You know, you yeah. weren't just a carbon yeah. copy. It's like exactly yeah. your own. And that's what it's about. That's it. Um, and and Dallas here, I mean, eventually he's going to come go on to become WCW World Champion multiple times, uh, and of course he's now forever enshrined in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, I mean, it's when you first met this guy at this bar, or even when he first became a wrestler. Did you ever picture him going on to have this kind of crazy success? No, I didn't. How could you, right? But uh, but I mean, you know, the more that I got to know him. You know, the more, you know, I mean, you know, as I realized, you know, like, you know, kind of like when you walk into a bar, you, you know, you don't, you don't think the bartender is, uh, uh, Einstein. Okay. You know, you know, I know, I know what you are there, buddy. You know, you're a bartender. That's your gift. Okay. Great. Good for you. funny uh and i mean again yeah again like how could you meet this bartender and think like hey this guy's gonna go on to become a world champion and all of like never never in a million years i never thought so no um i mentioned that he and savage are about to start a program that would really define dallas's career and you know as a guy who worked with savage yourself so much what do you think it was about randy that made him kind of the guy to help launch uh dallas here well you know it's kind of like when you've got it and you get in the ring with somebody else who also ha- has it. It you, can, you can't describe it, but uh, then that they naturally help you along. It's kind of like uh, when I first started. You know, I mean, uh, I, yeah, obviously, I was raised in business, but you know, I start and I started off refereeing matches. And uh, but when I first started in the ring, you know, uh, it's like you know there were two or three different people who I had started having matches with that helped my, my progress. And the same thing is true of Dallas, you know, uh, and it's anybody, I would say any, anybody. Yeah. You know, you can't, you know, if, if you can't learn from somebody that's a star and you're wrestling them, then pack your bag and go home. So, but uh, you 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 learn a lot about timing, and it's kind of like I I'm, I can't remember anybody off of hand, but just I just um, they're just different guys that say, okay, kid, uh, not yet, not yet. You know, like you know, don't get don't get anxious. You know, like if I'm selling something or whatever uh, to get up, you know, and he says, wait for it, wait for it, it's coming. Yeah, they're going to start you out for you here in just a second. And sure enough, as we kept going, they would, you know, start uh, start slowly, and then you, you know, you get that deal, and you, you know, you get from your back to your uh, to your knees, and then, you know, you get one leg up, and you get the other leg up, and then you start fighting out of it, and, and then you go. Anyway. And that kind of stuff is so fascinating to me where it's like, you know, this this trade essentially that's that's just passed down from person to person. And maybe you take a little something from one guy in one territory, something from another guy in another territory and eventually shape yourself as a performer. Yeah, man. Really cool. 
behind the scenes here in the in WCW at the time, the tension is starting to boil over a little bit between Hall and Nash and the Nasty Boys. Jerry Sags is just coming off of a concussion, and during a house show, Hall is going to throw a chair at him while he's outside the ring and catch Sags in the head with it. Sags is not a man to piss with from what I've heard, and he takes exception to this. And while Hall is feeding him a comeback, uh, Jerry's going to punch Scott for real, and he's going to knock out a tooth and give him a black eye and reportedly break his eardrum. Uh, Ted, this story has become something of like a, a backstage legend, and it's ultimately going to spell the end of Sags in WCW. Uh, any chance you remember any of this drama? The only thing I was there for was TV. Okay. Yeah, I didn't go to the I didn't go to the house shows. I obviously heard about this, you know, when there's two sides to every story, and you know, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, I, 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 you know, when you, you know, it's kind of like if you if you we call it a potato, that's wrestling lingo for. You, a re, you know, instead of a instead of a working punch, you catch a real one. Mm-hmm. You call out a spud, a potato. He potatoed you. You got to you got potatoed. You know, and 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 of course, you know, uh, historically, if you get if you give somebody a potato, then uh, you should expect a receipt. <laughs> <laughs> no, not all, always, but you know. You know, and it, but but if, if 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 you got more than one, and it was just two. That's when you go ahead and give it back and say, "Hey, loosen up." So well, it sounds like it sounds like Hall got a hell of a receipt here with uh, losing a tooth and a black eye and a broken eardrum. Like, man, that is that is a nasty punch from uh, from Jerry Sags. Yeah. I mean, uh, just hearing about it on the surface, obviously you weren't there, so you don't know all the details and you don't know if there was an issue with these guys beforehand. I mean, just hearing about it is, I mean, an overreaction from Jerry Sags after getting hit with a chair like that, or do you feel that that's a justified? Balance well, I mean, uh, um, again, and I. You know, I never, I never know, uh, you know, I, I never knew, knew or thought that Razor, uh, that Scott would, you know, be like that. I mean, that now that's something I would expect the Warrior to do. Because mm-hmm. the Warrior legitimately didn't give a crap about anybody that he got in the ring with. You know, the only one he cared about was himself. And it was I mean, obvious in the way he worked. Uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm sure he potatoed a lot of people. Um, yeah, it, it's funny because Scott has developed this reputation over the years of being kind of like vindictive and, you know, wanting to mess with people here and there. And it's like, I don't know, like from a lot of people that have worked with him, including you, it sounds like he was a good worker and generally speaking, a, a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, you know, I never had a problem with Scott, but I don't know. Sounds, you sounds know, like Jerry Scott, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be there. You got to be, you'd have to be there to see it. Right. Um, All right. So I think it's also worth mentioning here that Dean Malenko is going to become the WCW Cruiserweight Champion this month, the Clash of the Champions. Uh, He's another second generation performer with his dad, Boris Malenko, being a legendary wrestler and trainer. Uh, Ted, Dean seems like a guy that you would love, like cut from the same cloth as you and very, very believable style in the ring. Yeah, I love Dean. You know, even now, you know, and he's, I know he's had his healthy issues and I, you know, and I pray, I pray for him um, and hope that he's, you know, as good as he can be, but, you know, just, 
I hate to see something happen like what's happened to him happen to a guy who had that much talent and capability. Uh, and, you know, he, he did go on to be a producer. And, you know, I, said, I, I had a conversation with him one time. I said, brother, I said, God bless you for doing what you're doing. I said, I couldn't do it. Actually, this year as well, in 1997, Malenko incredibly, is going to be named the PWI uh, 500 number one wrestler in the world. You know, Ted, when you would get rankings in uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, did it ever mean anything to you? Like, was that no. something you took a lot of pride no, in? No, no. You know, you know, like, you know, sometimes they were pretty good, you know, and, you know, and sometimes it was like, you know, if you're not in the business, you don't really know the business. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway. So even when you got a high ranking, you were just like, yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah, I mean it's you know, yeah, you know it's 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 kind of like if it's sports writer, the, that's you know it's it's not there's nobody in the business voting for that. This isn't this isn't this is not based on uh, on bo- votes by wrestlers. Like who would the wrestlers vote as the number one guy? That's a good question. Like probably whoever drew the most money would be like the consensus among the wrestlers, right? Like, hey, this guy's the most successful wrestler because he brought the most money to the business. Yeah, so that would well, be my guess. Again, and again, every you know, like you know, like everybody's got a different style of wrestling, and, and it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like every everybody said, you know, well, Hulk Hogan wasn't really a great wrestler. Well, he was great because he understood his character. He understood, you know, like he, he was a, you know, he was not a normal sized guy. You know what I'm saying? He's a big guy. He's a big, you know, big, uh, a big guy. It was, it, it, okay. Uh, even better. Andre the giant. Well, you're not going to see Andre the giant out there doing arm drags and uh fireman's carry. And <laughs> <laughs> it ain't going to happen. You know, you got to understand who, 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 where you fit and what, how your character fits into the, into the whole scheme. Andre was not like a Dean Malenko here. He wasn't, he wasn't going to be doing any of that stuff. However, he knew his role and he knew how to be his character better than Absolutely. probably anybody. And, and again, to, to Andre's credit, Andre knew how to, to take somebody. I mean, there's nobody that he got in the ring with that was as big as him. So he always had to, I mean, you know, obviously, in the beginning, many of those anybody that ever wrestled with Andre, the first thing that anybody has to put over is his strength. It's like you try to get a hold on him, and he would just power out of it, and uh, or they like they, you know, you, you you beat up on him and you try to turn buckle him, and he ain't gonna go. <laughs> he ain't gonna go. He's gonna pull you back and you know give you a big chop and then send you sailing across the ring. It's all about knowing how to work within within your character and man it's you want to talk about the other end of the spectrum you know Dean Malenko I had the pleasure of being around him I think it was last year and I go 510 and I was bigger than him he's not a, he's not a big man but yeah. he he was uh he was just such a technical marvel out there that's I mean he kind of see that's it and Dean knew that he knew and of course again here's a guy who came from a wrestling background who understood, you know, uh, his role, you know, if I'm going to be successful, then I'm going to have to impress people with, with the moves. 
and the, the, you know, like you get the people to go, oh, wow, I, I, did you see him do that? Wow, unbelievable. He was too. I mean, some of the stuff that he would do with like yeah. Rey Mysterio, Eddie Guerrero, I mean, the names go on and on. He was just, he was yeah. fantastic. Okay, let's take a minute to discuss our fantastic sponsor that is changing the lives of men everywhere. Of course, we are talking about Blue Chew. Are you ready to perform with the confidence of the million dollar man in the bedroom? Are you ready to leave your partner feeling like a million bucks? Are you ready to get that thing so hard you could go hunting with it? If the answer to all those questions is yes, it's time for you to give Blue Chew a try. Blue Chew can help increase your performance and regain that old confidence where it counts the very most. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so that you can plan ahead or be ready when that opportunity springs up. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part of it, it's all done online. You can forget about those visits to the doctor's office, no more weird, awkward, uncomfortable conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. It comes right to you. Bluetooth tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But you know the drill, guys. There's not going to be anything discreet about your package. Men everywhere have never been more excited to see their mail carrier arrive because when your package arrives, your package arrives. Listen, I know what your next question is. Will it actually work? Why don't you try it for free and find out for yourself? Something free from the million dollar man? That's right. You can try it right now for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. Place your order now and give your partner a very pleasant surprise. Women are attracted to confidence and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Don't wait any longer. Time to chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to the pay-per-view itself. It received an absolutely insane 97% thumbs down rating from the Observer subscribers. And uh, once we start getting into the whole thing, Ted, I think we'll understand why. Uh, the, the idea here is that uh, Sold Out is an NWO pay-per-view put together by Bischoff and the Renegade Group as they take over WCW. So one would think it would mean that the NWO is going to be arriving in style, right? In limos and brought to Cedar Rapids on Lear Jets. That's what kind of makes sense. But as it turns out, that's not quite the approach that things uh, took here. Let's have a look at our first clip this week.
All right, so there's all the guys entering the building there. Ted, uh, there you guys are arriving because you you were there. We didn't see you on the back of one of those garbage trucks, but you guys are arriving nope. on garbage trucks <laughs> in the freezing oh, no. cold January. They're on the garbage trucks. <laughs> I'm in the limo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 Mama didn't raise no fool. <laughs> I knew immediately as soon as I started because I, I haven't seen this in years and I was like there's no way there's zero chance I'm going to see Ted DiBiase hanging off the back of one of these garbage trucks because no apparently it was absolutely free I mean it's January in Cedar Rapids Iowa absolutely oh, oh yeah yeah I mean yeah. Iowa and Nebraska they are right there together you know uh, and, uh, do you remember this oh oh yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, I mean, what are your thoughts on the whole thing? Eric Bischoff has argued a couple of times, and I, I know I for sure heard him say it on his show that, uh, you know, it kind of fit with the the vibe. You know, he, he said, you know, we've seen people arriving on limos countless times in wrestling. It's totally overdone. So he wanted to try something new. Uh, do you agree with that? Or do you think it should have been limos for the renegade group? Well, no, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I. Actually, I at the even at the time I thought it was that, that was very unique and and you know you know again the NWO you know this is like the the new world order we're going to do things in a different way and yeah I mean I, I I think for the characters in this that yeah that that was a that it, it fit. You know, it's it's heavily criticized, and I've criticized it before, but, you know, getting to watch it back all these years later with a little bit more perspective and seeing it in the black and white and, you know, the guys are selling it like it's fun and they're having a good time. Like, if they looked miserable out there, like, clutching their jackets against themselves, it might be a different story. But, I mean, everybody was into it, so it kind of worked. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, again, <laughs> I guess... Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I guess maybe I'm being too nice, but uh, you didn't see me on the back of the garbage truck. <laughs> I think if you had been on I'm the back in of the, the limo, truck. baby. <laughs> I think if you had been on the back of one of those trucks, you might be looking at it differently. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh -uh. Um, well, speaking of Eric, you and he are on commentary here, and the commentary is going to be one of uh, like a hundred things about this pay-per-view that's uh, criticized pretty heavily on the show. And uh, by the way, Eric does, puts none of it on you. Eric said on his podcast that he takes 100% of the responsibility for it and that he put you in a terrible position on live pay-per-view because he wanted the whole thing to come off as more improvisational and spontaneous. So he didn't prepare you at all. It was just like, okay, let's go out there and, and do it. So you're like on the spot calling matches where you don't have any context. You don't know like the background on, yeah. on these guys. And as a result, that's kind of what you get, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good of Eric to at least acknowledge it though. You know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was like, uh, you know, totally unprepared. You know, it's kind of like I, I get there and they go, "Oh, you're doing commentary tonight." What? <laughs> yeah. What? 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 You know? What? Uh, give me some. Uh, and there was nothing to give me. I mean, even when I, you know, like I did, I did a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Vince. I mean, I did commentary for Vince. You know, when I was still with the WWE. 
And uh, I think, uh, and I, I, I did, I'm trying to think which, show, I don't know which show it was, but I, I did it with uh, Gorilla Monsoon when he was still, I mean, like uh, he was the, he was calling it play by play and I was doing the, I don't know what you call that now. Uh, um, the color, color, color commentary. Color commentary. Now, do you remember when you were doing it with Gorilla and WWE, are you doing it live at shows or are you doing it in a studio over live? Tape well, no, I, I had done it uh, live, you know, um, but a lot of that we did, you know, in the studio. Mm -hmm. In other words, you know, we, we're in the studio, the show, the, you, know, you're, you're, you know, I'm not doing a live show. But this is, these are shows that people are going to see. But the commentary is, we're we're actually watching the show as we're doing the commentary. And it's a whole other thing when you're doing yeah. it live in person and anything can yeah. happen, yeah. as opposed to like you already know what happened and now you're yeah. just doing a voiceover for it. Yeah, yeah, whole other vibe. Yeah, uh, I I have to imagine that Vince was like. A micromanager in many respects like here here you're coming into this with eric admitting that he didn't prepare you at all i have to imagine that vince has got you prepared beyond what's even necessary right yeah oh yeah 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 i've i've also heard about him getting in people's ears when they're on commentary where vince will be on the headset and if you say something like uh, he infamously hates pronouns like doesn't like when you refer to a guy as like him or her like if you're going to talk about somebody you got to say well big daddy cool diesel just slammed yeah. him you don't say he slammed him now do you have any recollection <laughs> of vince uh kind of micromanaging or producing you heavily when you were on commentary uh not not really you know not really. I mean, um, I, again, because a lot of the, a lot of the commentary I did was not, it was kind of like, it wasn't a live show. It was, the, the, this is like, uh, the weekly show, like SmackDown or I don't know, you know, that we did, but I know I, I, I did it all with Gorilla Monsoon and, you know, and he would critique me. Mm. And, uh, as, as I go, but, you know, and the, and the commentary that I did at Survivor Series, I was with Vince. <laughs> so he couldn't be in your ear. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, and based on, based on what I did at that show, uh, that's why he's, he said, yeah, you know what? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. That's what, you know, so that's when I started doing color commentary with Gorilla, you know, so. Well, and thinking back I must have done it, something right. <laughs> thinking back on it, you were great at it. It's just like, it, again, not your fault here, what, what was happening. You just were not prepared at all, and all of a sudden yeah. you're thrust onto live pay-per-view. That's a tough spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so Eric admitted that, but he also said something else that was interesting on his podcast uh, with regard to you. He said that if he could do it over again, uh, when he brought you into WCW, he wishes he would have brought you in as a different character. And he says that the, the trillionaire Ted thing and playing off your character in the WWF was a big mistake. Um, do you agree with that, that maybe it would have been better to bring you in with a different character, maybe closer to who you were in like Mid-South? Hmm. Well, you know, I, that I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know because... Um, well, what about the other characters, you know, uh, Diesel and, you know, Scott and, you know, were they a lot different than what they were? 
They were. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, Scott went from being like, you know, the what was essentially applied to be a, a Cuban drug dealer to now all of a sudden, you know, he's just kind of like this cool, almost yeah. like a biker gang type guy. Same thing yeah. with Kevin Nash. Hogan yeah. has gone from being the Hogan we all knew in the WWF to now he's Hollywood. And yeah. you're, but, you know, you're here as essentially the million dollar man. They're just calling you trillionaire Ted. So I don't know. I think an argument could be made both ways. Yeah, yeah. I, I can see that. I, I guess, can see that. I don't know. It's uh, here's like an interesting thought, and obviously it's all these years later, so we're kind of like fantasy yeah. looking at. But you know, like you, you being part, even as a manager, and having a loaded glove on your hand with with a little bit more of a biker vibe, and being able to use that, like you know, load your glove and punch people <laughs> for a finish. Yeah. I think that could have been fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe you're right. Yeah. You have something here. <laughs> NWO Ted. Dang, I wish I'd have thought of that. <laughs> well, uh, most of the matches on this pay-per-view are very unremarkable, uh, but there are a few big exceptions. Chris Jericho takes on Masahiro Chono to open the show with a really strong match. Uh, Hall and Nash have a nice match here with the Outsiders, and the Outsiders are going to drop the belt, so that's a pretty memorable one. But the match that everybody should go out of their way to see is Eddie Guerrero versus Sean Waltman, who's wrestling here as six. And they're in a ladder match for the U.S. title that absolutely steals the show. It's an incredible match. Uh, Ted, we have not had a lot of time to talk about Eddie Guerrero here on the show, and this feels like as good a time as any. What can you tell us about your experiences with and around Eddie? Uh, I, I loved Eddie. Eddie also came from a wrestling family i mean his father his father was the promoter of wrestling in el paso texas uh and you know his his brothers oh my gosh you know what i mean it's just a family of a family of wrestlers i tell you what they were all good mm-hmm. every every one of them were 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 very good and and eddie uh, you know but eddie had a you know, Eddie was just a, an all-around nice guy too, and and he went way too young. And yeah, kind of in the prime of his career, you know, he had really started to achieve his big his biggest success in WWE, and then yeah, I mean, just uh, passes away, you know, at a tragically young age. So it's yeah. a shame because you know Eddie had given a lot to wrestling, and it's like he was not near done yet. He still had a lot left to give. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was. Uh, I mean, I would I wouldn't even say he was. Midway, no, no, you know, no. He had a lot more to get, a lot, a lot more to give. Great on, guy. On paper, he could still probably be working and working at a high level today with how skilled he was. Yeah. Yep. Um, Ted, I've also got to ask you about ladder matches while we're here. Uh, have you ever been in a ladder match? No. <laughs> never was in a ladder match, and never wanted to be in a ladder match. So if somebody had asked you to be in one, would you have gone for it? Or like said, hey, you've got to give me a little more money? Or uh, how would that have gone? You know, I guess, uh, you know, I would. I was never one that I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. Uh, and I, I'm more like, okay, I'll, I'll, unless it was just absolutely ridiculous, um, I would, I would probably try it. Um, what about a scaffold match? Would you ever do one of those? Have you ever done one? Uh, no, never did that either. I, it's like if I was involved in a scaffold match, I was a manager. That seems a lot safer. Yeah. 
yeah, it's, I mean, just looking at it, like, okay, climbing a ladder, it, it could be terrifying. Being up on that scaffold and looking down and not having anything on either side of you, no thanks. No yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the overall concept of a ladder match, though, Ted, like, do you think it's a good match idea or, like, you know, it, like, good for other people, just not something you would hope to do? Well, you know, it's, you know, it's, I mean, what, what makes, well, anything that's unique, is is anything that you can add that's different and difference always difference different is always good because it's kind of like you know everything in wrestling has been done and redone over and over you know like uh you know a cage match and a, a lumberjack match and those type of things uh oh gosh what whatever whatever like a texas death match and all of that stuff so if you can think of something that's unique that's never been done and yeah and and get it over then yeah you you good to go but i i don't i don't think there's anything that's been undone right now you know i know there's i, I you know of course as, as as i say that then they'll think of some new ridiculous thing like okay let's have a parachute match <laughs> what's that oh you got to jump out of an airplane with a parachute Fight on the way down. down and open your parachute before you die. <laughs> I think we just gave him some ideas to tell him to do this match now. <laughs> uh, you lose the match if you your parachute doesn't open. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's get to the part of the show that I know a lot of listeners have been waiting for. Over the course of the show, we've been seeing contestants for the Miss NWO Beauty Contest. Eric uh, said on his podcast that he wanted to do something different, so. Instead of bringing in some really attractive strippers or actors or whatever, he brought in what he referred to as trucker women. Uh, so these ladies are not exactly beautiful in the traditional sense, which, again, kind of makes it seem like being part of the NWO maybe isn't quite as cool as it originally appeared. So after the latter match, we get a winner for the beauty contest. Let's have a look at how this train wreck goes. can't believe that i forgot that <laughs> <laughs> you probably blocked it out intentionally that probably was one of those things that i never wanted to remember <laughs> oh gosh that was horrible oh just i mean awful and that's your that's your commentary partner on the show it's you and eric bischoff on commentary so that uh, means that you probably had to sell it and act like it was you know a great thing yeah, and oh yeah. my gosh, oh, gosh. just hideous stuff at this point, you got Eric Bischoff making out with this woman on a show. 
you've got uh like things are not going right at the show at all there's just so many errors along the way and just flubs like uh, there's also a mexican death match at the start of the show that didn't feature anybody from mexico in it it was like big bubba and hugh morris in there <laughs> like it was just yeah. the show is a mess uh but it, at the time it felt like it was a little bit too hot to fail would you agree with that yeah it's yeah i don't know yeah, you know it was yeah <laughs> yeah if anything can save the show ted it's the dallas cowboys we're at the main event and hulk hogan is going to take on the giant with the wcw world title on the line and hogan is accompanied to the ring by some very special guests nate newton george teague and ray donaldson of the dallas cowboys are here with hulk hogan as a reminder this is just a year prior to these guys winning the super bowl uh, so it's a really big deal to have them here in WCW. Ted, I know that you're a huge Cowboys fan like I am. Do you yeah. remember being around these guys at all? Uh, well, not at all. I just remember meeting them, you know, and then, you know, now I was thrilled to meet them. But, yeah, uh, it was cool. It was cool. I mean, especially with you being a former offensive lineman yourself, and now here's, like, these guys yeah. from the offensive line and George T who played on the defense. Yep. But it's, yep. I mean, just really, really a cool thing. And, yeah, I mean, you know, it's this pay-per-view flopped in a lot of ways. But, man, anytime you can get the Dallas Cowboys on your pay-per-view while it's an active season, uh, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, that is. Well, if the Miss NWO thing didn't kill consumer confidence, it wasn't for lack of trying here. It sold out because the pay-per-view main event is going to go to a no decision between Hogan and the Giants. Uh, I know I wouldn't be really happy if I purchased this pay-per-view and uh, and it went to a no decision in the main event. But I guess I can see the logic in trying to kick the can down the road a little ways between the Giant and Hogan. But what's your opinion, Ted? Do you think that there needs to be a definitive finish on pay-per-view in the world title match? I would, I would say so, you know, I, you know, I, I, to, I, I felt the same way. It's, it's kind of like, you know, maybe it fits for something they're going to do later, but when you have a major main event and, and it's a pay-per-view event and people have, you know, paid their good money to watch the pay-per-view, which is what it is, uh, or are there in person, then, you know, you, you need to give them their money's worth. And you either, you know, either either the, the champion wins or he gives up the title. That's the way I see it. You know, it's got to be a winner or a loser. <clears throat> the, like, uh, the baby face doesn't have to go over. Like, the, the heel can win or vice versa. Like, it doesn't matter. Just give us, like, an actual finish. As well, a yeah, because, you know, because the baby face goes over, everybody's happy, and you go on, and then you, and then you get a, a new heel ready. For that baby face, mm -hmm. or if or or the or the heel, the heel screws the baby face of the pay per view, and now they have the opportunity to go another, uh, have another run and and have a, a several more clashes to the next pay per view. But ultimately, that baby face has got to win. A lot of people in the audience were dissatisfied, but we're going to make sure that our audience is satisfied next week. We, we are going to continue the story of Ted's time in WCW next month, but 
Next week, we're taking advantage of Royal Rumble season by discussing Royal Rumble 1989 from 35 years ago. Mr. DiBiase here is going to try to buy his way into a later spot in the Rumble. He's going to bump into Big John Stud on the way. We'll be talking about all of it. Before we go, I want to remind you all that if you'd like to get this podcast with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports entertainment and other shows, get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com and sign up for Premier Plus. If you're a wrestling fan, they've got something for you. Not only do we have our show there, but RVD's podcast is there, Sabu, and many others. Just go and have a look. Uh, you don't have to sign up to, to look. Just go to PremierStreamingNetwork.com and check out some of the content there. And I think you'll know that signing up for Premier Plus is a good decision. Also, if you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, help us out. Take one moment to like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review there because that helps Ted and I out a bunch. Make sure that you follow Ted at MDM Ted DiBiase on all of his social media to see what he's up to. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Dad, another fun look back to WCW. It wasn't all good this month here in January 97, but it was fun to look back on it. Oh, as always, it's always fun to look back and, you know, reminisce and, and, you know, that's, you know, it's like, it's kind of like hindsight's 2020. It's like, yeah, you, you look back and you go, man, if I'd have just done this, well, you know, you can't live your life that way. You know, as long as you learn from whatever mistakes you may have made more power to you, you know, that's, you know, that's life. Well, that is going to wrap us up for this week. Always a blast to talk to you, brother. Hey, as always, it's 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 a pleasure, Marcus. And you just you do such a good job of of looking up things. I mean, it's like you are helping me bring a lot of things back to my memory that I have totally forgotten. <laughs> so between that and me showing you clips of Eric Bischoff making out with people, I think. Oh no! <laughs> I, we, you know, you could have showed me a lot of things, but I rather would have not. <laughs> I didn't want to see that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm bringing was, memories, even memories. That, that was not ugly. That was oogly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still had fun with you as always, my friend. All right. Hey, and as always, remember, everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.